Louise McSharry on 2FM. It is time for How to Be an Adult. And if you listen every week, you know the story. We try and confront something that maybe you've avoided thinking about. Or maybe you just need a little bit of help with. Maybe something you feel like you should know as an adult, but you just didn't pick up along the way. And um, we frequently come back to this topic with this guest. Because, of course, we have a major issue with housing in this country. There's no getting around it. And lots of people have lots of questions. So today I am joined by Dr. Lorcan, sir, from the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at the Tech. Technical, uni- technological University Dublin. Someday, Lorcan, I'm going to say that without making a mistake. TU Dublin. We just, we've just all gone to TU, TU Dublin. TU Dublin. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can we make it? Well, let's make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I need to, I was focusing on where I was going to take my breath. And yeah, then, you I know, know it's, look. It's, it's a bit of a mouthful, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's good to see you, Lorcan. You were saying you're having work done on your house. Yeah. And it's great to be back in studio so you can see the panic on my face in person when you ask me a question that I'm not Stop. necessarily sure I know the answer to. You always know the answer. Yeah. There's building work going on at home. So it's great to escape the dust and the noise and the drills and all yeah. that kind of stuff but in fairness it's also really good to get engaged with the construction industry itself yeah. and like your hands on and you realise like the, the issues with labour and finding people to do jobs for you and how good some builders can be and how awful others can be and my builders are really good I have to say uh, and, and also how much when you get builders into the house how much in their hands you are yeah. you kind of have to hand it over to them and trust them that they're going to do everything that they say they will to the right amount and that's been a problem over the years in housing that we've kind of left an awful lot to not necessarily to the small builders but you know like the mica and yeah. all the issues with apartment defects we've kind of trusted builders to do things and sometimes yeah. they've done great and sometimes they haven't Well you kind of have to don't you yeah, because, you do, because it's like a dentist or you know yeah. a mechanic like unless you know what you're doing you have yeah. to just put your faith in the hands yeah, of the professionals Yeah unless you're some sort of an engineer or architect yourself yeah. and I'm neither you're kind of trusting that they're doing the right thing on the roof and they're putting on the flashing properly and the windows are going in properly And you and probably you, know just enough to make you worried I know just <laughs> enough to ask some questions and annoy them a little bit yeah. I can tell from the presence but not enough that, that I can, I just have to nod at whatever answer yeah, they give yeah, me yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. at that level which is just probably what most people are at Yeah. Um, now we have a lot of stuff to talk about housing generally but uh, before you came in you mentioned that uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Sabina Nessa story that we were talking about earlier in terms of housing Yeah so what a lot of people don't realise and it's, it's a tragedy and it, but it happens quite regularly and that's, that's the problem yeah. is that there's a huge relationship between the built environment and housing and safety and security and particularly for women and like the reality is that the built environment is mostly designed by men for men yeah. and so there's a whole lot of implications for that for obviously you know, gender implications and around safety and security and even simple things like when you go to other countries and you see in Japan for example you go into a loo whether it's men or for males or females you know and there'll be a spot for resting your baby there when you go to the loo mm. so you don't have to kind of wait outside and you know if you often wonder why there's queues outside ladies toilets it means something isn't working properly it, yeah. there's an inefficiency in the system yeah. and sometimes particularly in department stores you know who do you give the baby to when you're wanting yeah. to bring it you know better than I, I do, do. Yeah. about all that kind of stuff so there's a whole lot of stuff like that and particularly on transport uh, and safety and now in our in our planning system in Ireland we haven't really got to grips with the whole idea of gender and design and gender and housing the transport people in Ireland like Transport Infrastructure Ireland have started asking questions now specifically directed at women and safety on the Lewis for example yeah. and on public transport so they can allocate then more security on certain kind of lines at certain yeah. times of the day because they know that women feel safer or not safer but in, in housing we're really behind the curve and there's a whole area of housing called gender mainstreaming so instead of like I said it's mostly designed by men for men yeah. so instead of doing that we you look at how can you design housing for everybody yeah. and the great example of that the great, if you ever, anybody's ever been to Vienna 
in Vienna they have a, a an office in the local authority uh, there called the Gender Planning Office uh-huh. and it's there since 1992 Wow We don't even mention it I've been through a fair few housing ministers at this stage and I've never heard one of them mention the word gender and housing because I've never this has never occurred to me well, I'll tell you how but it, it makes total I, sense yeah, I'll tell you how it works so it, what it is it's about designing particularly apartments that are friendly for both sexes, but particularly for women. So in other words, that you will have, all the spaces will be overviewed by other spaces. So that it's, you're kind of bringing security in, into the, yeah. no matter where you walk in the complex, outdoors or indoors, it's overseen by somebody else. You won't have, you'll have balconies, you're typically about five stories, and that's the kind of height that you can watch kids play yeah. safely and they can hear you. Mm. which is really important. You'll have laundry rooms that are kind of open so they're safe so you don't feel if you're going down with your laundry that you don't feel like some creepy guy is going to come in behind you or anything yeah. like that. And so they design with that. And if you want to get public money in in the city of Vienna to, as a developer to build apartments and so you're bidding. So the city of Vienna builds 7,000 apartments Wow. every year in the city of Vienna, right? It's amazing wow. what they do. Now, some of it is subsidised. If you want to get subsidised, you want to get state money in Vienna as a developer to build apartments, you will throw in your design uh, it's kind of competition. You go in there. That competition will be judged by a panel of women. Oh. And you have to incorporate gender mainstream planning attributes into your design or you don't even get past the first hurdle. It is wow. amazing what they do. And here we're not even at, at the races. We don't even mention this. And if, for, if, if anybody's interested out there, there's a lady called Eva Kale, E-V-A-K-I-K-A-I-L. And she's brilliant. She's at this since the late 80s, early 90s, and she brought this in. And of course, being Vienna, they have a document, a 113-page document called Gender Mainstream Planning in, in Gender Mainstreaming in Planning and Development. It's in English. If anybody wants to, if anybody out there is listening, they want to go and you'll Google it, you'll find yeah. it very easy. And they're at this, and they just get it, that safety and security for, for everybody, but particularly for women who are more vulnerable, is really important. Yeah. And we don't do this. What we're at at the moment is throwing up large blocks of, you know, not pretty, not nice um, kind of apartments and, and, and that with underground car parking and they're dark and the usual kind of stuff that nobody feels, not even, you know, a man like myself doesn't feel safe down there sometimes and, mm. you know, women and, and then awkward with buggies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's a very, there's another really interesting professor of planning in Vienna. The Viennese are really good at this stuff. And what he does with his students once a year, he takes his class and he makes them go do two things. One of two things, you can be blindfolded and given a stick or you can be given a buggy with a child or a, you know the equivalent mm. sack of potatoes or whatever yeah. and you have to go on you? A, <laughs> you have to go on a route on public transport around Vienna yeah. either blind so it makes you aware then of you know the obstacles that people yeah. face because if you look at the built environment that we have now it's awful like yeah. for if you're blind or with a buggy or yeah or you it, use a wheelchair yeah and the cra- exactly and, mm. and and the way to do that is you know if you design for the person with the least mobility you're designing for everybody yeah you know so if you design for the person in the wheelchair everybody can use it and everybody everybody's a winner we don't do that and even in new developments around Dublin and I won't name them because my own institution might be involved in them uh, you know we're we're doing it wrong we're doing bad things we're prioritizing the car we're having cars parked on footpaths even coming in here uh, coming through Stony Battle this morning, the guards parked in the in the in the bicycle lane, and they were coming out with their breakfast rolls and pints of milk, you know. And the the culture has to start at the top that yeah. we need to kind of do better with their built environment uh, for everybody, but particularly the, the the gender aspect and safety and security yeah. is, is huge. You know. Well, I don't know how many TDs I have listening to the show. <laughs> I did get followed by a TD just this morning on Twitter, so maybe he's listening. Yeah. If anybody is listening, that is 
fascinating yeah. and I would love to see that happen because you know this is the thing what we're talking about at the end of the day and it's not about men versus women it's about all of us feeling safe yeah. and that is not too much to ask for and if there's things like that that can be done which had n- genuinely never occurred to me but the, the minute you said it it makes total sense yeah. then you know we could have improvements yeah. straight if away you design for the most vulnerable person you're designing for everybody and, and the thing about housing policy is that we there's kind of three ways you can measure success mm-hmm. and the first one is oh we built X number of houses every year that's where we're at like it's just yeah. turning houses it doesn't matter if they're good quality bad quality safe dangerous whatever and the second one is designing is like do we measure do we satisfy the needs of certain cohorts and the third level which we are nowhere near is you know are we how are you are you happy with your housing as an individual yeah. Louise you know or or some person in a wheelchair or whatever we're so far away from that we're really crude at the moment with just you know it's all about turning out houses and that's the answer to all the problems it's actually going to create more problems if we don't yeah. we need you know, more take account of the more nuanced exactly more yeah. Well, thank you for that. That is absolutely fascinating. Um, now, there was a lot of other housing news this week yeah. um, and uh, lots of people are very concerned. Uh, inflation, Leo Varadkar made some comments about rent and landlords. He said we need to balance that one person's rent is another person's income, which I think frustrated a lot of renters. Yeah. Um, there, is, there's not really any good news this week, was there? No, it's... it's yeah, the student housing thing is... is I think it's quite interesting because at the same time as you have students and thousands of students looking for beds and they're like and I heard it was Aoife Moore you had yeah. on earlier on and she kind of stole my she stole my lines from thunder uh, coming in but you know at the same time as you have thousands of people like couch surfing and living in hotels staying in hotels as they go to lectures we have thousands of empty student bed spaces around the cities in Galway and Cork yeah. and Dublin and the problem is now they're starting to look for change of use to, to, as Aoife said to the Airbnbs and things. Now, they should not be allowed to do that yeah. um, and it's partly because they say they can't make a profit but it's also because, partly because they don't want to drop their prices mm. so if you are looking at student accommodation the idea if you're looking at student accommodation in say Antwerp or Porto I was looking at Porto during the week uh, and Antwerp because I went to university in Belgium the the equivalent professional student accommodation in Antwerp will cost you about 400 euro a month Mm. and in Porto they have a very interesting thing on the student website saying you know we're really sorry accommodation is hard to get in Porto it's very expensive you might end up paying 180 to 250 euro a month <laughs> and you think here they're looking for 1200 euro a month so no wonder that all that new student accommodation is 80% full with overseas students who are probably doing kind of high end college or surgeon courses and maybe can yeah. afford 1200 a month but your average Irish student who could afford maybe three or 400 a month you know they're not going to go there and so it, like we have this as always in Irish housing policy we've got ourselves into a back ourselves into a corner with thousands of empty beds and yet students can't find anywhere to live and what should what should they do I mean, what should you do if you're a student and you're supposed to be moving to Dublin for yeah. college and you can't find anywhere? It's really tricky. And, and the president of DCU made an interesting point during the week and he's absolutely right. It's not just about housing. This is also about equality. Yeah. So if you have more money, you might be able to afford to put yourself up in a hotel for a night or two a week. And, you know, it's awful. But, Figure it out. Yeah. But if you don't, if you're, you know, if you're you're coming from a, a not, you know, a not so well off family and you're coming up to Dublin or Cork or Galway to do the course that you always wanted to do, civil yeah. engineering or architecture Which, or whatever Which, by it is, the way, you have worked to get in into yeah, and you've 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 studied and you got the points and you get the course yeah. and then you may find yourself suddenly you can't go and like there's two things happen you don't do it yeah. which is a loss not to yourself but also to everybody else not just to yourself It's life you, altering or you do in a course that you don't really want to do because it's close to home and you can kind of commute and live at home now the, the student experience part of the student experience I think is, is getting away from home yeah. and learning to stand on your own two feet and all that so there's lots more to it than just housing there's a whole yeah. issues around equality and around access to education and yeah all that. well I mean that is literally a life altering thing 
you yeah. know, if you don't get to do the course that you yeah. wanted in the place that you wanted, that yeah. you earned, by the way, yeah. um, because of housing. Yeah, and you end up going to, typically you'll end up going to a local place because your mother will lend you her car two or three days a week and you can drive there and back or you might be able to get a bus or something. Yeah. But it's 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 really poor. Now, Leo, to, to link it to what Leah was saying about the, the rents, I mean, one of the problems that, that is causing this student housing, uh, you know, shortage, is there's a lot of landlords leaving the market for lots of reasons. Like it's not all about money, but some of them are reaching retirement age, and that was an investment they bought thirty years ago, and now they're selling it. Now they don't take the house with them; the house gets sold to somebody else yeah. who will live in it. Very few of them actually go from the rental market back into the rental market. Most of them are sold for owner occupiers. But one of the reasons that a lot of landlords are are, are leaving, and I'm not an apologist for landlords uh, at all, is because they're treated on really, really badly in terms of tax. So their their rent is treated as kind of personal income rather than if you look at the large companies who provide accommodation, that's treated as kind of profit, business you know, company, in, yeah. yeah, business income. Yeah. So it's taxed very differently and you can write off lots of stuff against it. As a landlord, there's very little you can write off in terms of expenses. So they're getting taxed at 50 odd percent uh, of the rental income. And they're getting annoyed with that because it's a lot of money, you know, going and, and they're leaving the market then. And the way I, I mean, the way I think we should kind of solve that, I think it was a good idea that they brought in the CPI, the linking rent inflation to consumer price index. The problem is they brought it in at the wrong time, just as inflation is going that way, yeah. as go, is going, going, I up. forgot my radio here, yeah. you can see my hand. <laughs> but as, as inflation is kind of rising, yeah. yeah, and like the, the OECD predict inflation to go about 4.5% at the end of this year, which is more than the rent pressure zones allowed you to go. So I think the way to do it is to allow the inflation rent increase only to inflation capped at a maximum of 2% but also at the same time we need to kind of review the tax treatment of landlords to keep them in the market like whatever you think about landlords and most people have an okay experience with landlords um, you need them in any housing system you need landlords like affordable landlords yeah. not they've been a big professional company who are targeting Facebook employees and Google employees Yeah well that's it and I mean I think that's where people were frustrated during the week from what I saw on social media was like yeah, what, you know someone who owns you know finds himself as you say an accidental landlord is one thing but it's people who have you know lots of properties who don't have another job, you know, for whom being a landlord is their career. Yeah. Like that's, it's hard to feel the kind of empathy that Leo was looking for. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> for those people. Yeah, well, I think Leo being Leo, like he'd be very pro-business anyway. And, yeah. you know, we got to protect the business at of all. Course, but yeah. there is a way to balance everything there, you know. Yeah. And I think landlords probably deserve a fair shake of the stick. So do tenants, very much so. And the rent inflation has to be watched really carefully. Well, when we usually put out our, our number for to ask you questions, it tends to be tenants who get in touch and you mm. are more than welcome to today. If you're having an issue with your housing or you have a question about your housing situation, you can text it into us. 51552 is the number. You can also email louise at rte.ie. We'll have answers from Lorcan plus some music from James Vincent McMorrow after this. Louise McSherry on 2FM. James Vincent McMorrow and Planes in the Sky on 2FM. I am joined by Dr. Lorcan, sir, from the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at TU Dublin. See, I did it. Yeah, correct. Um, and Lorcan comes into us on a regular basis for how to be an adult to talk about housing and answer your housing questions. And we have loads, Lorcan. Um, uh, before I suppose we get into those, we had a couple of texts on the on the conversation we had about housing design and safety, and particularly gendered safety. Um, and this person says, "This is so fascinating, but I'm thinking how sad it is that we have to design our buildings around safety for women. Can we not just design the creeps out of the picture altogether, and we won't have this problem? <laughs> there is something really grim about having to design a lawn." 
laundry room that is visible in case you get accosted while washing your clothes. And I mean, look, I totally agree. I suppose the way to look at it is that you're designing for the most vulnerable, the worst case scenario, and then everything falls from yeah. that. So yeah. And and it's not to pretend like there isn't work to be done elsewhere to try and change behaviours like yeah, that. I mean, of course. Yeah, it all goes together, yeah. But, you know, it would you know, I suppose it all contributes to your your feeling of safety. Um, And then someone else says, I remember seeing articles about schools in the US being designed to help kids shelter and escape school shootings. Humans are the worst, yes. Mm. Well, certainly we have the potential to be. There's no doubt about that. Okay, Sarah and Colm say, uh, Hi Louise, my landlord has given us a warning that he is hoping to sell the house soon. It's not our official notice, just letting us know. We love the house and we've grown our family here. Is there a right way for us to approach him and say we want to buy it before it goes to market? Yeah, the interesting, funny the way she says it's a warning. I suppose they're, they're giving, he's given you advance notice that he's going to serve you with a notice of termination, it's yeah. called. And selling the house is a valid reason for a landlord to ask you to leave. It's, 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 I don't think it's right, but that, that's the way the, the legislation is framed. In you Ireland. don't think it's right? No, you know, it's people's homes and they raise yeah. their kids there. And I think maybe, like, there's ways to temper that to say that, well, okay, if I'm going to sell the house, I have a right to ask you to leave. But in, like, in other jurisdictions, you would have the, 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 the tenant, the person texting in, would get the right of first refusal, right. for example. To sell, in yeah, terms to buy of sale. It, yeah, okay. and we don't, we don't do that here. Yeah. I mean, I think the way to do it is to approach the landlord and, 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 and be straight up with them, but also make the case to them, make the point to them that if they can do a deal together off market, that he'll save, you know, thousands of euros in, in estate agent fees, you know. See, uh, the problem, I suppose, is what we're hearing anecdotally as people in the world is that the bidding is out of control. Yeah. And so, you know, if a landlord thinks that putting their house on the market is going to end up, it's going to end up going for like 70 grand over the asking price, then, Yeah, they're going to go to market. And actually one of the biggest, one of the, the drivers of house price inflation, or a lot of people don't realise this, is that local authorities and approved housing bodies buy nearly over a quarter of all new houses in the country and they're driving up prices because they come in with cash and, or they come in, you know, with a big checkbook and, and buy them. And they're also buying secondhand houses oh, and driving prices. So we're, kind of, we're eating ourselves here at this stage. I would approach the landlord, or the, the landlord directly and see what you can do. You never know. <laughs> I mean, people are sound. Yeah, and, and only 1% of, of all tenancies end up in dispute actually in the RTB, which is a very small number given yeah. this, you know, 300 odd thousand tenancies in the country. Yeah. But I would approach them. I mean, if they're sound enough to give you, uh, you know, to that tell notice, you that that's what they're yeah. going to do, you know, you might find them amenable enough. Yeah. Lauren and Kildare staying kind of in that sphere says, I put a bid on a house recently and was outbid within the same phone call. Is there a way of knowing what bids are real and what ones are just to try and make me bid more? Yeah, it's totally illegal to, to create a false bid. We have those problems for years. Years, and then we brought in legislation, I think about 2005 or six. So those false bids, every bid must be recorded in writing or on a database uh, so that if if you felt there was false bidding, you know, going on, that the, I think it's the Property Service and Regulatory Authority, the PSRA, will go in and they'll be able to find a trace of actual people who made bids. I, I don't think it happens really too much anymore mm. uh, or, you know, at all really yeah. because it is definitely, most definitely illegal. Okay. Um, uh, hi Lorcan, I share a house with my partner and three others, we all transfer our rent to one bank account for a direct debit. I know rent can be used to show that you can afford a mortgage. Would that also work for me, even though the direct debit isn't from my account? Yeah, I think so. I think the principle is that you're making regular payments towards your accommodation. Housing, yeah. yeah, who goes to really doesn't matter. I think the fact is once you show the regular payments. 
Okay. okay. Uh, Next one says, I have an apartment that's still in negative equity. I'm tax registered and all above board. I am a landlord and I really go above and beyond for my tenants. But at the moment, I feel like I am hated. Like landlord equals total devil. You never do that, Lord. You're very nice to landlords. In fairness, I'm fairly balanced. And like I said, you know, very few dispute, very few tenancies. You know, there's there's 800,000 people renting in Ireland in 350,000 odd tenancies and only 1% end up in in serious dispute every year. Now, there could be little points of difference between landlords and tenants but in the main mm-hmm. the landlord-tenant relationship in Ireland is pretty good and we have research to prove that yeah. that you know most landlords and most tenants get on really well I think as well like you can't ignore the fact that um, some people feel a bit scared maybe you know or a bit fearful of even being in contact with their landlord because they are oh, and I know this because I've had this conversation with many people in yeah. my own life because they're aware of the fact that it's very hard to find somewhere to live at the moment so you're yeah. kind of afraid to even put your head above the water yeah. to remind your landlord you exist in case you know they say oh oh, I forgot I had that property maybe I'll sell it the flip flip side of that is that a lot of landlords are quite happy to have somebody who's there who just pays the rent and doesn't really cause them they don't have to worry about it yeah Yeah, and that's worth money to them Mm -hmm. every month because you get you know you have to say get rid of somebody advertise get like, and then a lot of landlords don't want to have a queue of people outside the house on a Thursday evening from daft 150 people that's a lot of heartache for an extra 100 euro or 200 euro a month and you have to kind of try and assess how reliable they are like you know references and you're taking a chance so for a lot of people like it's a principle of kind of investment anyway that yeah. sometimes you're better off you know taking Bird in less the hand money is two in the bush. yeah less money <laughs> but actually really sound tenants yeah. than, having, than having you know taking the risk Okay and last one for today I have a problem with my landlord she has split our rent we have to pay her 1000 euro via bank transfer and then she comes around for 500 euro cash in hand every month her reasoning is that we get a place for 1500 rather than 2000 it doesn't sit right with me should I just keep quiet our reasoning is tax avoidance but yes. it sounds of things there <laughs> it's like anywhere you go into and it says cash only I'm always, my, I'm always a little bit kind of uh, sceptical about that yeah obviously she's, she, it seems to me like she's trying to avoid tax there and her logic is, is not really logic at all the problem we have is that if your tenants decided to report or say to revenue you know this woman this is what she's at revenue would make a calculation that this is small fry and that the cost of them investigating this dodgy landlord is more than the money they would get back from her unless she's doing it 40 years uh, but in general I think they take that kind of cost benefit approach and probably nothing would probably happen to her you know yeah so you're probably better off just yeah yeah, just suck it up yeah. I and mean, it's a terrible thing to say because it's us who you know the taxpayers we're, we're losing in tax income because of yeah. that but you know if, if I was the talent I'd probably say nothing and just you have to look after your situation you as do, well yeah, like we're all be human beings sometimes. at the end of the day yeah. yeah okay well Lorcan thank you so so much as always welcome. it's been a pleasure Dr Lorcan served from the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at TU Dublin Louise McSherry on 2FM